Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Anyone need a copy of the notes? Just raise your hand if you would like to have a copy of the notes. Keep them for future reference. Sometimes a little Bible study or something like that, they're helpful, right? A frame of future reference. Future frame of reference, it's good to do that. Praise God. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. And we do so inviting your Holy Spirit to give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and minds that are open. Changing us by what we hear from glory to glory as he, Father God, makes the word a living thing in all of our lives. And Father, we believe that he is building within each and every one of us the very life of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our great Lord. And Father, we thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost and anointing upon, dear Father God, the word as it goes forth, penetrating our hearts and minds. And Father, we commit to be endurers of the word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And that word will not return to him void, will it? We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. And before we get into that, you realize that we're living in the land of the dying. And when we die, we go to the land of the living. You realize that? The moment you were born, you began to die. And the moment you die, you will live on forever. But it depends on whether or not you make Christ the Lord and Savior of your life as to where you're going to spend your eternity. And you know what? No one can escape it. No one at all. Why am I saying that? Because there's nothing more important than fulfilling your life purpose. Living your life to fulfill the purpose that God has ordained for you and for me. Every single one of us. Nothing more important than getting before the Lord God Almighty. First of all, understanding his general revealed will for your life, which is to be born again, spirit-filled, walk in love, Take your place as a productive fruit-bearing branch in the vine. Uh, if you're married, honor one another as the scripture teaches. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church as you love your own flesh. Wives, see to it you submit to your husbands and acknowledge him as the leader of the home. And then children, obey your parents and the Lord. The list goes on and on. If you work for somebody, make sure you do so heartily as unto the Lord. Uh, get involved in, in helping others succeed, ministry succeed or whatever. But this is all general, but then sometimes specific. This is what I want you specifically to do. He might commit you to a lifestyle of prayer or just one of encouragement, writing out cards and, and, and blessing other people, whatever it could be. It doesn't matter what it is, how big it is, how small it is. Whatever he's called you to do is what he's called you to do. And if he calls you to do something, he'll equip you to do it and you'll be able to do it. Amen? By his mighty power and glory. So just remember that. Praise God. Now, in uh, your notes here, we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse, uh, verse 7 through 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given the Spirit, by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healings, by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. 
And so in the beginning of this chapter, Paul talked about the fact that we should not be ignorant of spiritual manifestations or things that pertain to the Holy Spirit. And so God wants us to understand certain things about the ministry of the Holy Spirit because this is his dispensation. We're living in his dispensation right here and right now. The Father planned out our redemption. Jesus worked out our redemption. And the Holy Ghost reveals it and makes it a reality in our lives. And so he is working now on the earth, carrying out his mission in the earth, seeing to it that he glorifies Jesus in each and every one of our lives. So the power of the Holy Spirit is available to each and every one of us who is washed in the blood of the Lamb because you see he wants us to cooperate with him so that we can fulfill our life purpose and also the will that God has for all of our lives. Now the working of the Spirit of God is powerful. It's, it's absolutely penetrating. It's transforming. It is dynamic. Matter of fact, it's so powerful on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God fell on that day, that particular day, one gift of the Spirit cut through years of religious tradition. And the result was 3,000 people that were religiously bound got saved. They all rejected Jesus at the beginning, even after his resurrection. And now here they are on the day of Pentecost, 50 days later, and Peter, he begins to preach. The power of God fell. They all spoke in tongues. Spirit of God gave them utterance. It got the attention of all the people that were there. And then he pe- preached a powerful, powerful, penetrating message of the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ and 3,000 people, Jews. The church was made up in the beginning of 3,120 Jewish individuals. They converted from Judaism to Christianity. As the power of God was in display and manifestation. Would you call that dynamic? Would you call that awesome? Would you call that impacting? Absolutely. Absolutely. Then look in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 2. Yeah. The Apostle Paul speaking. And remember Apostle Paul being Jewish. Was born again on the Damascus road. Had a 180. And now he's preaching Christ. Before he was killing Christianity. And now he's building Christianity. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. In uh, easy language, I'm not speaking 50 cent words. I'm not concerned about how long the words are, how big they are, and how impressive they might be to you. No, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, why that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of the living God. Praise God. Beloved, when the preaching of God's word goes forth and powered by the spirit with the anointing upon it, awesome things take place. The lost are saved, the sick are healed, the bound and afflicted are delivered and set free. Those imprisoned and captive and held in bondage, they are liberated and set free by the power of Almighty God. That's why we gather together here right now. Not just to come in and put some form of religious service together and just say we're going to go by this, 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 and this. But we've gathered together in the mighty name of Jesus and created a habitation for God within our midst, giving reverence to his presence upon us, expecting him to show up and show off and demonstrate his mighty power and glory right here in our midst. Amen. Have you come to be changed tonight? Amen. Praise God. Well, we're going to talk about the word of knowledge tonight, but first let me just say this. We talked about tongues last week for a specific reason. When they were filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. That was the Jewish community. In Acts chapter 10, in the Gentile community, when they got filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. Same thing happened there. They magnified God. 
And so we see when God initiated the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what happened? In both camps, there's only two camps, Jewish and Gentile, they both got filled and they spoke out with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them much. We talked about how way back in the Tower of Babel, when all the language was confounded because they were in unity, and God says now to do anything that they imagined to do, God confounded their language so they couldn't understand each other and be in unity. Well, now we see these people in one accord in the upper room, and all of a sudden, that whole thing reverses and changes. Now they've got one universal language, a language of God that, praise God, who knows, one day will be the language that we speak. Think about it. We're not going to be speaking different languages in glory. I'll tell you right now. One language, we're going to understand everything because we're going to be in complete harmony and complete unity with one another. So they were given these other tongues, and there are three signs, there are three kinds of tongues, sign, sign tongues, ministry tongues, and devotional tongues, and the most important being devotional, because that's your everyday life. And so we talked about that just a little bit, because the more you and I pray in the Holy Ghost, the more we position ourselves to experience the other manifestations of the Spirit. So we're going to talk about the word of knowledge. And we have a definition here for, for you of the word of knowledge. It is a supernatural revelation of past or present events which would naturally be unknown to the recipient. So in other words, you cannot learn this knowledge or have this information or obtain this information any other way. It's not something that you learn out of a book. It's not something someone comes along and tells you. It is a supernatural revelation. It is a word which means a part of knowledge. It's not the whole thing. It's just a part of it. Like a word's a fragment of a sentence. You get a part of it. It's imparted to you supernaturally by the Spirit. And it shares something with you that you would never know. Could never know. Could never understand. But he tells you something. And as a result, you do something with it. And normally it'll give place to maybe a person stepping out in faith. Or inspiring somebody to, to do something or whatever. Also, for you maybe to pray for a situation that you didn't know about but praise God by revelation now you know about it and you're going to pray about it and see someone through to victory so we've got some examples for you look in the book of John John's gospel chapter uh, 4 here's Jesus talking to the woman at the well she's a Samaritan Samaritan she's not he's not supposed to be talking to a woman at the well a Samaritan but anyhow he says to her go call your husband and come here the woman answered and said I have no husband Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. I guess he got it right, didn't he? Now how did Jesus know she had five husbands? How did Jesus know the woman, the, the guy she was living with right then wasn't her husband? By revelation by revelation I don't think anybody texted him the message at all wasn't on Facebook Instagram or any of those the spirit of God gave him a revelation it's called the word of knowledge he got it by the spirit and he delivered it to her and what did it do no small stir did it cause that woman went and told people come and see the man that told me everything I had ever done that's a scary thought isn't it wow <laughs> that's a scary thought <laughs> for all of us but sound like she was pretty wild <laughs> to be honest with you <laughs> would you agree uh, okay 
And all of a sudden, there was a great, great company of people that came to find out who it is. And what did they end up saying? Now we've heard him, and now we know that he must be the Messiah, because not of what, he, what happened to you, but because we heard him ourselves. So we see a mighty work began to take place. Power of God's in manifestation in the life of Jesus. And this is exactly what uh, the results was. Now notice in Mark's gospel chapter 2 and verse 8. Jesus immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew what they were talking about by revelation. It was an impartation of knowledge in his heart. He perceived it within his heart about the things that they were believing and discussing. And as a result, he brought that forth. And of course, he used it as a, a point of ministry in their lives. Now, another one, Second Kings in chapter 6. And we're going to show you why these are important. This is Elisha the prophet. The king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel saying, beware that thou pass not such a place. For thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing and he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, none my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. That's a scary thought. <laughs> By revelation, see, impartation of knowledge that Elisha would have known this. He didn't know what they were plotting. But what happens, the Holy Ghost, through the word of knowledge, tells them where they're at and what they're about to do. He then tells the king and warns them, don't go that way. They're going to ambush you and you'll be destroyed. And so by this gift called the word of knowledge, we see something tragic was prevented by the hand of God. And so these manifestations of the Spirit are extremely important because they can help us. They can help us overcome difficult situations. They can help us receive direction and guidance as to the will of God for our lives. They can reveal to us how to help somebody else who might be in need. They can expose certain things. Now you think about this. This is so horrible. You think about this young lady that was just uh, the mother of three that was just uh, went on this internet date. Did you hear about her? Went on this internet date. Uh, I guess she thought it was harmless. Mother of three. And the fellow that took her on this internet date raped her, killed her, and dismembered her body. You know what I believe, if, if, especially if a person's a Christian, the Holy Spirit is always warning, always trying to give a revelation to impart some knowledge. We're going to show how it works, so how we can expect it to work and start realizing that some of the things that's going on inside us are not necessarily just ourselves, but God is at work by His Spirit trying to show us some things. 
So, we can be helped. Now, personal experiences. And when I first came here years ago and, and I was able to minister one-on-one with people because there were very few people in the church, 35 altogether with children and all that. I would go to the house and, and during the week and sit down and just talk and share. And the one woman that was there came out of the hospital and she had a, um, a difficult situation. Diabetes caused one of her muscles in the eye to deteriorate, which caused her to have a lazy eye. And, and I went over there and I'm just sharing the word with her. And probably two, three weeks into it, maybe even a month into it, going there all the time, I would sit down and discuss the word with her and speaking Mark 11, 23 and 24. This brings back memories to me, I'm telling you what, that has absolutely blessed my heart. While I'm sitting there talking to her, I'm giving her Mark 11, 23 and 24, explaining the word of faith and how it works and how to apply it to your life, situation and principles that absolutely transform lives. I can actually watch, I kid you not, that lazy eye that was looking this way, I would actually watch while it came back into looking straight at me. And I thought, whoa. And then I'd leave and boom, it'd go back. And so after a month of this, I'm walking over there and the house was so close to where I lived in Midland and I'm puzzled. I'm just going, Lord, I'm just saying, why? Why? I don't understand this. How does this happen? And then when I leave, it just goes back. It's like your word was working while we're discussing it and talking it, but all of a sudden, boom. I sat down on the couch next to her, opened up my Bible. And as I opened up my Bible, I got a word of knowledge. That word was bitterness. Kind of hit me like that. I went, sister, does bitterness mean anything to you? She said, oh yeah, I'm bitter. (laughs) She's honest too. (laughs) Oh, I'm bitter. She was harboring bitterness, unforgiveness, animosity. Okay. Unforgiveness towards someone. And I said, sister, don't you? She was a, a Christian probably longer than I was alive at that time. And I said, what? Don't you know if you're in bitterness, you're blocking the he- healing power of God from your life? No, I didn't realize that. I said, so it's never going to work. Get that thing right. Get it right. She said, okay. I think the following week, Sunday night, we had a prayer ser- healing service. She came up to the altar, and as I just, began, I walked down the stairs, just like this here, I just looked straight at her, and I said, what did you do about that situation? She said, I got it right. I'm no longer bitter. God, to forgive me. I forgave this person, and et cetera. We got it right. It's all taken care of. Just lay hands on me. I laid hands on her, and then she uh, went. She went back to her doctors, and the doctors were amazed and thought, did you go to some, uh, somewhere up in Pittsburgh where they've come up with this new procedure where they could do something about creating this muscle for the eye? She said, no, I went to the altar after I repented, and Jesus healed me. So the deteriorated muscle was actually recreated. It was a creative miracle that took place. Now, I didn't know she was bitter. So you see, it's a supernatural impartation, a word of knowledge that does what? Helps us help people. And she got helped by that. She got the right direction, took the right course of action, and got her miracle. And then also, there's another one that stands out to me. And this was when I was really, really young in the Lord. Uh, I was actually in Bible school at Ramah and came home only for Christmas break. And a lady that uh, my, my brother was uh, a part of uh, her ministry, 
just attending church there. Little storefront church. It was a really nice little church. Just a towel floor, chairs set up, little pulpit. And the lady said, would you come and hold a service when, when you're on break? And I said, sure. Would you come and preach? I said, absolutely. Not. Be glad to. Remember, this is the guy that wouldn't talk in front of people when I was in college. I dropped my class, my communications classes. There's no way I'm going to speak in front of people, shaking like leaf. Absolutely. And I'm still that way. If, it, if it's the Bible, I'll do it. If it's not the Bible, I'm not doing it. But anyhow, just as the service is about to begin, everybody's seated. I walk up. They sang a few songs, and I walked up to the pulpit. When it's my turn, I just stood there. And once again, a word of knowledge back pain back pain and it was pretty pretty loud like a voice inside my spirit I said um, is there somebody here with back pain because if you are God doesn't want you to sit here and be in discomfort this whole time while I'm preaching he wants to heal you it just prompted me to say that out of my heart and so I said that next thing I knew this lady come flying up to the front of the church I'm thinking that she's part of this group what do I know? She comes walking up to the church, uh, to the front of the church building there, and I walk down, and I just go to pray for her. I was going to say, "Be healed in the name of Jesus." I didn't even get close to her. Boom! The power of God hit her. She fell on the ground with no catcher, on tile floor, cement underneath, glasses went flying, chair in the front row kind of went back a little bit. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> uh oh. I'm glad it's your church and not mine. <laughs> so I just look at her on the floor. Then a couple of guys come and she starts to get up, help her up. She stands up and she looks around and she goes, the pain's all gone. I'm healed. The pain's all gone. I said, well, thank the Lord. Whew. Thank the Lord. <laughs> I'll go back and I start preaching. And what do I find out after the service is over? This woman had never been to a Pentecostal service ever in her life. When she was outside the building, and it's just on a main road, small little building, must have been like some kind of little storefront or something like I said, used for something else. They just took it over, rented it, and used it. She's, I was told she was peering in the window, looking in the window like, what's going on in there? And then she picked herself back up and she started walking away. And someone that was coming in tapped her and she said, where are you going? Uh, I was going to go, but I, I don't think I'm going to do this. They said, come on, God will bless you. God wants to bless you. Come on into the service. First time ever in a Pentecostal church and she gets called out and she comes up to the front. The power of God hits her, knocks her on the ground and heals her. And how? A simple word of knowledge. We have to yield to it. You know, you have to yield to it. But see how they work? And these gifts work together. So you could say the word of knowledge then did what? Led to the healing power of God manifestation to deliver this person. Now, how, you say, is it received? How can this gift be received? First of all, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, number one. Filled with the Holy Ghost and power. But then notice we listed some things for you. First of all, an inward voice. An inward voice. You can hear something on the inside of your spirit this inward voice and too often what we do is we have a lot of voices that are out there in the world do we not saying all kinds of crazy things 
And if you, you don't get to a place where maybe you spend some time with God where you can really know this is God's voice speaking to me, then you might miss the whole thing. So an inward voice can be that which enables us to receive a word of knowledge that can be a blessing to other people. And then also a spiritual intuition. A spiritual intuition, a perception. Something that you perceive on the inside. You might perceive somebody being in trouble. You might perceive someone needs prayer. Don't just dismiss that. Don't think that it's just me. It probably is the Holy Spirit letting you know somebody needs your prayers now. And by that word of knowledge, it could be trouble, it could be healing, it could whatever, whatever. It could be many different things. But when you are filled with the Holy Ghost and you do speak and pray with other tongues, you see, he'll give you a part of the situation and then what you do is you just get on your knees and you pray in the Holy Ghost or you drive in your car and you pray in the Holy Ghost because you don't know all the revelation of what's going on but you know enough to pray. And then you pray and you pray in the Spirit and pray it through until you know you've got this release in your spirit, got the job done, thank God, let's move on. You may never know who you prayed for, you may never know what you prayed about but you're satisfied that a result has happened. Like the one woman that did that, she was praying for somebody who was, in a, who was a missionary in a foreign land and the person was dying, in need of dire help. And they believed, all the people in the community believed this person's dying of this thing. Everybody else was dying and why wouldn't this person die? Because he has the same, it was like a virus, terrible, had a high, high fever and he was dying. And she got on her face, she just had a revelation to pray in her spirit and she did and the man's life was spared. A couple years later they compared notes and found out exactly when she was praying is exactly when he was in trouble for his life. Okay and then also what is called like a mini vision, a mini vision or it can even be just like a mental picture of something. You actually see something you know and and, and that can be a way that it's imparted to you. Um, It's hard to explain sometimes those things but the Holy Spirit will make something very let's say pronounced in the way you see something. It could be like a mini vision or it could be like a mental picture that you get of something. I remember one time back in the little church in Midland where you know I, I was just we we're just getting ready for this service and when the Holy Ghost fell. Thank God times when the Holy Ghost falls. He's in us but he also wants to fall upon us and when he fell power of God fell. I mean to tell you the place was just filled with people just all over, strewn all over the floor as the power of God was in great display and manifestation and people being delivered and set free and all that. But you see before that I'm in my office and I'm praying and I had this like little mini picture, mini vision of this happening. God will give you a revelation. God will give you a picture. God will give you knowledge of something to get you ready for it. And so praise God. These are just some things. But it can be an angel. It can be an angel that will impart to you a word of knowledge. It could be a dream that you have. I've got one experience in this thing where this this one fella, well let me just quickly give it to you. Graduated with him in high school, 1969. And the individual, I hadn't seen him for years upon end. But I heard, after I got saved, I heard that he was also saved. He got saved long before I did. And so one night I had this dream and I had this dream that I was standing in front of this brother, friend of mine from high school and I had my Bible open just like this to Galatians chapter 3. 
and he's standing there facing me and he has his Bible open and I said but Galatians 3.13 says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law and he looked at me and just said I don't have that verse in my Bible it's not in my Bible that's wrong I said no it says it right here in my Bible that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law Galatians 3.13 and he kept on basically arguing with me about that verse it's not in the Bible it doesn't say that I said yes it does so sometimes you don't remember what you dream you know that but I remember this vividly and so um, I thought about it for a while and I said Lord you telling me what are you telling me about this I haven't seen him in years I found his number I called him on the phone and I said brother I said um, are you having a problem with the law he said yeah how'd you know that I said well I had a dream he stopped me right there he goes we don't believe in dreams I thought the phone would fall apart or something oh you don't no I'm from this denomination we don't believe in dreams what are you I said well I'm Pentecostal full gospel I said since you, you don't believe in it but let me explain what, I, what the dream was about here and real quick I give you real quick and I told him exactly what it's about so are you having a problem with the law he said well I've been recently thinking about going back and living under the law and I said brother that's exactly what the dream was about Christ redeems you from the curse of the law being made a curse for you we don't live under the law but you see that wasn't a revelation to him in his Bible so it was really missing from his Bible I said this is God speaking to you about this he wants you to get that corrected you're not going to go back under the law because the law doesn't save anybody so that was the dream that it came to me you know and, and I, how would I know that he had a problem with that I had no idea I hadn't seen him in years but by revelation by a word of knowledge it was given to me to help him to correct his theology because can you imagine going back trying to live under the law I can't even think about it okay then we'll move on to the word of wisdom the word of wisdom is by definition similar to the word of knowledge it's a supernatural revelation of future events you see knowledge is past and present but this is future events which would not be known by the recipient something in other words this is wonderful can you imagine knowing something that's going to happen before it happens wouldn't that be a great way to live who do you think is going to win the NBA championship I know and I know you're not a betting man or a woman what's the lottery number going to be next week I know well wouldn't that be nice <laughs> of course you'd pay off the church building of course and you know <laughs> but it's future it's future it is a part of God's knowledge something he knows about the future you see this is the reason why he wants us to get alone with him and pray in the Holy Ghost because he wants to impart certain things to us and he makes it known to us about the future before it ever happens for example look in the book of Isaiah chapter 7 therefore shall, a, shall the Lord himself shall give a sign behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel how many hundreds of years that, that was that stated before it ever happened probably around 300 years before it ever happened but that is a word of wisdom it points to the future it says something's going to happen in the future and it gets you prepared for it and that's the reason why he gives it so you can be prepared for it of course they didn't believe it but 
We know, did it, ha did it happen? Did Mary give birth to Jesus, Emmanuel, God who is with us? Right. And that came by the prophet Isaiah about the future birth of the Lord. And then also in the book of Acts, look at this one, chapter 27, verse 10. This is Paul, a prisoner, and he's on a ship, and they want to set sail to go to Rome. And Paul says this to them. He said to them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. So by perception, notice he saw something that's going to happen. There's going to be a terrible, terrible thing happen out there when we get out and set sail out there on the, on the, on the waters. Well, that is a revelation of something that he perceived in his spirit, an impartation of word of wisdom to prepare them for something so that why? They wouldn't go. Now I would think the whole point would be don't do it because it's not going to be good. Well, look at the 21st through the 26th verses and see what they say. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me. That's a polite way to say I told you so. And have not loosed from Crete to have gained this harm and loss. Didn't he say I perceive it's going to be with much damage and loss? Yeah. So the storm came. Typhoon came. And he says, and now we exhort you, I exhort you, be of good cheer. What? For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. Notice he's basically giving them the future. He's telling them exactly what's going to transpire, what's going to happen. And when it came to pass that they got closer and closer to shore, what did we hear? What did we read? They got near the rocks and then many of them were about to bail thinking that we're going to die out here by hitting the rocks and so on and so forth. But Paul reminded them saying, wait a minute. If you stay in the boat, like the angel said, you'll be saved. But if you get out, you're on your own and you will die. But notice he was given a revelation by God of a future event. But they had a part to play in it. And what happened? Exactly what was said. Exactly what happened. They were all spared. Not one person's life was lost. And they were on an island. So God gave him a revelation of a future event. And thank God, as a result, their lives were spared. So you can see, can you imagine putting yourself in that position? 14 days in the storm. You haven't eaten in 14 days. It's so bad. It's terrible. Actually, if you've heard about the movie The Perfect Storm, this was the perfect storm. Look it up and you can see the kind of storm that it was. It was the perfect storm. Almost like two or three storms coming together, meeting were exactly where they were. And after all these days, there was all loss, all hope was gone that they would survive. And they were professional sailors and they knew all about it. But a word of wisdom 
assured them and gave Paul the confidence to stand on that boat and to say, be of good cheer in the midst of it all. So can you imagine if you're in a fierce battle in a situation that's a fierce struggle in your life and you just get this revelation, be of good cheer. Beloved, when my Andrew was born and it was bleak and afterwards being told he can't live through the night but when he was born in that birthing room and I got these words in my spirit fear not only believe I want you to know that was a life raft do you see what I mean everything they said he could not do we said we believe he, won't, he can't suck, swallow, or breathe. He'll be, on a re- breathe. he'll be on a feeding tube for the rest of his life. We believe. I'm telling you, it was an anchor for the soul. Instead of the soul saying, oh, he's not going to believe. No, no, no. We believe. Oh, let, him, let us bring him to you. He could die in your arms. Or he could die in surgery. Take your pick. Sirs, do what you have to do. We believe. It's like, it was so noticeable that the, that the head cardiologist said, you people are different. People are different. We believe. But you see where that came from? That was a revelation given to me by the Spirit of God. Almost like he told Jairus, fear thou not, only believe. That we held on to. It was personal. A personal word by the Spirit of God. That's where faith comes from. Hearing and hearing the Word of God. So by either a word of knowledge or by a word of wisdom, it produces what? Faith to cling to. To anchor the soul on. This is what God said and I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Praise God. That's what He said and that's what I believe and that's all there is to it. And then there was another time driving in a car. Another um, revelation came. Sometimes, you know, you kind of feel like you're, you're reluctant to say something to people. I'm in the back, they're in the front, they're driving the car. I'm thinking, they're going to think I'm crazy. And so, I, it just, it's just that the unction just becomes stronger and stronger until you blurt it out. Slow down, be cautious, there's some danger up ahead. I'm thinking, oh, gee. They're going to think I'm some maniac, some crazy, some lunatic. Sure enough, about a few minutes later, we get up the road, there's a terrible accident that took place. And it was like a mini vision, like a mental picture or image that I had sitting there in a back seat. And you know what? I believe God is always working toward this end and toward this goal to protect us and to keep us informed so that he can prevent things from happening. We don't want to go through the wreck and then God have to heal us. We want to stop the wreck, go, you know, and be victorious before the wreck ever occurs. And you know what we got there? We knew by the distance where we were at, it could have been, we could have been part of that situation. So it's the Holy Spirit that's doing what? Giving us a revelation of something down the road. I'll never forget another time I was in my office. This was in the church as well down in Midland. And I got a call. I was sitting in my little office. We have it back there. And I'm, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, getting ready for service. And I get a phone call about this young baby. It was in the hospital. And it was very bad. Was not recovering, not getting any better in the hospital. I said, okay, we'll pray tonight. Hung up the phone. We'll pray. I'm already in prayer. I'm going to pray for this child. And so I'm praying in the Holy Ghost for this child. Just keep on praying. I'm praying. All of a sudden, 
the Holy Ghost in me says, call them back and tell them not to worry, not to fear, because the child will begin to amend from this moment. They're at the hospital. I have a phone number. You just give it two seconds or a minute to think in your mind and rationalize it away. What if it doesn't happen? You start to think about it. What if it doesn't happen? Was that really God or was that just me wanting it to happen for this child? And you start to war with it. If you don't instantly obey it, the devil can talk you out of it. So thank God I was already in prayer and thank God I just dismissed all the, what about me? It's not about me. You know, we're imperfect beings and we can miss it. But this child's life is hanging in the balance. And so what do I do? I pick up the phone. I'm sweating bullets. And I just say, I just want you to know that the Holy Ghost just told me that don't be afraid, don't worry, don't fear. Because the child's going to begin to amend from this moment. I get a call a day later. The child began to amend from that moment. It was getting progressively getting better and better and better. And it was about, I don't know, it was three, four days later, something like that. I get another call and said, wait a minute, something happened here. The child now is taking a turn for the worse. And so I'm thinking, now Lord, that's not what you told me. And the moment I said that, another revelation came to me and said, tell them to take the child to another hospital because what's happening, they're doing it at the hospital. Now try that one on for size. And so I said that. And they said they were thinking about that themselves anyhow. Took him to another hospital. When they got to the hospital and checked the baby out, they said there what they were doing would have killed that child if that child would have stayed what they were doing. The child began to get better, but then they started doing something else and what they were doing was absolutely wrong. And the child was taking a turn for the worse. But the moment that happened and they got that thing stopped, the child amended and is perfectly whole. So it's serious business to be honest with you because it could be life and death situations. Can you see that? It can prompt faith in your heart, in your life. It can prompt faith in another person's life. But you see, we've got to be serious enough with God and with the Holy Spirit to position ourselves to hear from Him and then trust in your relationship with Him. God, I know that's you. I know that's you. Now, how can they be received? How can I receive this manifestation of the Spirit? Well, a dream can be one way. Remember Joseph's dream? What did Joseph's dream do? It outlined his future life. I want to show you how this works. God gives Joseph a dream of being somebody that everybody's going to bow to, right? Right. So he's excited, he's enthusiastic. And he goes to his brothers and shares with them the wonderful news. And they just love him, don't they? No, you know they don't. What do they do? They throw him in a pit. In a pit. And sell him into slavery. But Joseph is like, he's aloof. No, he's in faith. God told me that I'm going to be this someday in my life and I'm clinging to that no matter if I'm in the pit or not. Finally, he's in the prison. Falsely accused in the prison in Potiphar's house. 
right? You would think he would be despondent, discouraged, oppressed, depressed, whatever. Not Joseph. He's flying high in the prison. He's a standout. Doesn't change his demeanor whatsoever. He goes from the pit to the prison and finally to the palace where his purpose is fulfilled under God. So the revelation that God gave him in that dream was for his life and he let nothing stop it from coming to pass. Can you see that? You see how powerful this is? He knew it. He knew it came from God and let man try to stop it. Let the devil try to stop it. It does not matter. I am not giving up. The soul was anchored on that revelation that came to him through a dream. And then also by a vision. And once again, God can open up our eyes and we can see a vision. John, the beloved, was, the, was on the Isle of Patmos. He had a vision of Jesus. And Jesus, when he gave him this vision, also gave him both to these gifts. The word of knowledge first to give him a revelation of the condition of the churches. How would he know the condition of the churches when he's in, in this place? On the Isle of Patmos, exiled, right? But he has a complete revelation now of all the seven churches there in Asia Minor. Complete revelation. Word of knowledge, present tense. But then God gave him the future revelation. We call this revelation, don't we? Revelations is an unfolding of future events that have yet to take place. But do we believe they will take place? You know they will take place. So if you combine these two together, a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom, we see the condition of the church and what's going to happen with the church in the ages to come. So these gifts are powerful and they're meaningful and they're helpful to us in our lives. You may be standing against something, believing for something, and you can have this impartation. What will do what? It will absolutely just buoy up your faith. You might be believing for a child to come back to God. God gives you a revelation of that child coming back. You cling on to that. You hold on to that, tied to that, and, and thank God for it. You've already won the victory because you see the outcome. You see it done. Now, can something prevent it? Absolutely. Some, some of these are conditional. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But it can come also through prophecy. Look at Acts chapter 11. Prophecy. It can come through prophecy. And there stood up one of them named Agabus, who was a prophet, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which, which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So in other words, they were warned of something that will take place in the future. There's going to be a future. Could be a lack of water, lack of food, etc. Famine and you know, a drought and all that. And they were prepared for it. So you see, it prepares them for the event to take place. So if we know there's going to be an economic failure, God might speak to our hearts and say he knows that in advance. He'll tell us certain things that we should do to be prepared for it. So that we're not destroyed by it. That we're not overcome by it. That's why when all this came out with Y2K, everybody was just floundering. Everybody was just buying up their water bottles and buying up their generators and getting themselves some, some place where they could hide and, you know, be underground and all that and a place of security. And then they get a gun to shoot you if you try to get a bottle of water from them. 
Think about it. But you see, they forgot about the revelation of the word of God. You know, you can get it by revelation of the word of God as well. We know the future. Do you know the future? Anybody here know your future? I know my future. I'm going to be with him in glory. What about you? Absolutely. So, these are just different ways. But then, uh, look in Acts chapter 27. We saw this one verse, but we'll bring it out again. Angels. Sirs, I perceive this voyage would be with hurt and much damage, not only the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. So in other words, he sees this is going to take place in the future. And who told him when they were all about to give up? An angel appeared to him and say, he said, Lord, he said, sirs, an angel stood by me this night and told me. Wouldn't that be nice to have a visitation of this angel to give you uh, by revelation the future? That's what's going to happen in the future. So don't be concerned about it. You've already got the victory. You already have the revelation. You have the knowledge. You have the faith now because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That was the word that came from the throne of God. You know, angels don't make up their own things. Angels are sent as messengers by God to give his word to people. To tell people what he has to say to them. So when you're looking to God to give you a revelation this way, and you get a revelation by the spirit or by an angel, or by a dream or a vision, you know it comes from the throne of Almighty God, and it has to be the way it is. Jonah was sent to Nineveh, and he was to tell the people in Nineveh what? Their future is one of destruction. But it was conditional, unless you repent. They so believed in this prophet's words that there would be future destruction that what did they do? They repented. And of course they stopped the destruction. And the last one, look at the, well, the last statement here. The word of wisdom can also be conditional. Look at Second Kings chapter 20 and verse 1. This is Hezekiah. Hezekiah receives these words. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos came to him and said to him thus saith the Lord does that reverberate? Thus saith the Lord set thine house in order for thou shalt die and not live. Can you just hear that? If the Lord said it powerful what does he do he turns his face to the wall he repents for his pride and gets before God and asks him for more years of life God grants him 15 more years of life showing us that it was conditional so even though the future was you're going to die now it was changed as he acted out his faith in repentance he avoided or averted that judgment that was being revealed to him by the prophet Isaiah. And so thank God he got 15 more years of life from it. So these manifestations of the spirit are designed to help people. Remember what it said back there in the first Corinthians chapter 7? These gifts are given to every man to profit or to benefit every single one in the body. And so you might be facing a struggle tonight. You might be facing a difficult situation. You might be in one right now. You might be sailing on the sea of, of life right now and you've got storms coming your way and it seems like there's no way out. 
But I'm telling you, position yourself by getting alone with God, praying in the Holy Ghost and saying, Father, if I looked at this thing in the natural, I would say that it's absolutely a done deal. There's no way I can survive it, no way I can get through it, etc., etc. But I'm just going to thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to, first of all, this is what your word says. I'm going to honor your word. In the world I have tribulation, but you said be of good cheer because I overcome. You overcame, and so therefore, by faith I overcome as well. And so I'm just going to be here praying the Holy Ghost for a while. I'm just going to position myself in your presence to hear from heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Because I'm telling you, when you get a specific word from God to you, you anchor your soul on that, praise God, and you hold on to that, and I guarantee you, it'll come to pass exactly the way God said it. And that's why Andrew's alive today. And I thank God every day for it. Because I'm telling you, it was frightening. When they tell you, want him to die in your arms or die in there, take your pick. Oh, thanks for the picks. Thanks for the choices. But I'm telling you, you can say it without, because you see, we didn't break down. It was like we weren't even unnerved. Doctors just do what you have to do, we believe. It was like him with a brick. He said, you people are different. Now we just know God. Amen. Let's all stand together. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.